Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you for um, every single person who is here this morning. I would pray that you would um, just touch our hearts and touch our minds this morning. And wherever we're at, God, would you meet us there? I ask this in your name. Amen. So this year, I have had the wonderful opportunity to work um, in Glendora Unified for several different um, jobs. And just recently, I started translating for the district, which is super rewarding and super interesting. And I'm relearning everything uh, that just has fallen out of my brain since sixth grade. So I am sitting in this ancient civilization class thinking like, wow, did I learn this? Like, did I learn this? Did I learn about ancient Greece, ancient China? And, you know, and then I remembered, oh, right, that was the report that I came to my parents at the last minute and said, Mom, I got to do this report. And she helped me do this. And so anyway, I'm doing that job, and it's a lot of fun. But one of the positions I'm in um, has given me the title to this new book I'm going to write. And the new book is going to be called Things That I Have Learned on the Playground. So here's a few things that I've learned on the playground. Number one. Almost being bitten by a red ant is the same thing as actually being bitten by a red ant. So one day I'm walking along and I hear, ah! That was really loud. If you're not awake, you're awake now. So I run over to the little girl and I say, what's going on? What's happening? Ah! What's happening? I almost got bitten by a red ant! What? I almost got bitten by a red ant! So, well, were you bitten? No. So, so you weren't bitten? No. So get out of here. What are you doing? Like, just why are you screaming and make me run over? So apparently it's the same thing. The next thing I learned on the playground is that anything can be lava at any time. <laughs> so right now, your chairs are all lava. Oh, thank you, Grant. Grant's the only one that knew what to do. You're all marshmallows. You're all toast. Sorry. So sometimes I'm in, you know, watching a group of kids or whatever, and I all of a sudden see them jump on the bench, and I'm like, oh, it's lava time. So, or the wood chips are all lava or whatever. Anyway, so there's lots of, there's lots of lava everywhere. Um, but one of the most interesting things I have learned this year is the power of this magical neon vest. Now, if you ever want to clear a crowd quickly, you put one of these things on and walk towards people. So I sometimes am just walking towards a group and silence will fall on them. Sometimes, depending on your situation, you are either very glad to see me or you want to run the other direction. Um, so this vest has a lot of power, a lot of purpose, I've come to realize. This vest can be seen from afar. Uh, this vest, if ever, anyone ever has an emergency, can, um, you can identify who is there to help you. This vest is to keep you safe, but just for kids on the playground to know, hey, we're here, we're present, here we are. And it's, it's difficult to wear this vest sometimes because depending on the child's previous experience with this vest usually defines their expectations of their oncoming interaction. So sometimes this vest will give the kid that has been told on again and again a second chance. 
And you should see that kid's face light up sometimes. Like, whoa, I'm not being straight sent to the principal's office right now? Excellent. Or sometimes this vest is a mediator between two best friends that have the same fight every week, and you're just like, okay, girls, we fought about this last week. How'd you resolve it? Do that again. Go. So this vest has great purpose and um, defines the child's expectations. Now, I and my wonderful coworkers would tell you that we try to interact with every child with love and fairness, but firmness, but we would tell you that we want the best thing for every child. And again, I wish I could tell every child, hey, the playground is in an easy place. It's not an easy place. But I am here for you and come to me when you need me. So what similar experiences have you had with someone that you have come to expect kind of the same thing from? So what happens when you see this in the rear view mirror of your car? Well, depending on your experience, depends, defines your expectation, right? Maybe you have had one too many tickets. Or maybe you know you had your cell phone in your hand. Or maybe you know you were going a little bit too fast. So depending on what's going on, that in the rear view mirror, ugh, yikes, don't tell me about it. What about this? When you go to the gym and you see your trainer or your workout's friend towel and their cup on a bench, but you haven't been to the gym since January, since that resolution, Right? What do you want to do? Oh, I'm just not going to the gym today. Right? Because you haven't been to work out lately and you don't want to face them. You don't want to have to give an explanation. Or what about this? When you see your favorite, favorite barista behind the counter at Starbucks, you know that she knows how to get your drink just right. Right? It's like they're personally telling us they love us when they get it just perfect. Uh, one time I was at Starbucks and I said, you know, I need a caramel macchiato with sugar-free this, sugar-free that, non-fat this, non-fat that. And she's like, so you want black coffee? <laughs> oh, I guess so. I'll just take three Splendas on the side, please. Uh, what about your Amazon delivery driver, right? When we see him coming down the road. Woohoo! I love that guy. He brings me things I like, things I want. I can't wait to see my Amazon guy. Um, so, again, the interactions we've had with these people shape our expectations of them. And on this day, we remember a crowd that was gathered to receive a man who they had great expectations for. They had great expectations for this man thousands of years ago. I'm going to take my vest off so that I don't blind you throughout the service here. So we're going to read Matthew 21, verses 8 through 11. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You see, this was Passover week. This is a sacred week for the Jewish people. Passover week celebrated a time when God had freed their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. 
their ancestors had been slaves in Egypt to the Pharaoh for, for 200 years, and they had prayed, they had begged for someone to come and deliver them. Moses finally came, and that finally happened. And that, that's what they're celebrating in this Passover week. This is a very important holiday for the Jewish people. So when the Bible says the whole city stirred, they're not talking about a few people on a parade route. I did a little bit of research, and the city of San Dimas is just under 38,000 people. Can you imagine this city swelling up to five or six times its size? Well, that's, they said, what uh, historically happened in Jerusalem. Five or six times this city would swell up, and those numbers are around three million people back then. Can you imagine trying to get down Lone Hill at lunchtime? During, during all this construction, during lunch hour even, right? Who's avoiding Lone Hill altogether? Till what, what does the sign say? May 17th, right? Come on, May 17th. So this is three million people. This is a lot of people. And Jesus is entering the city in front of all of these people. This entire population was celebrating their new king. They were laying down their palm branches for him. And this is essentially the red carpet of that time. The, the palm branch was a, a symbol of national hope and victory for Jerusalem. And they're shouting here, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. Save us, save us, son of David. Why are they saying son of David? You see, David, King David, was their beloved national hero. And here comes someone who is from the direct bloodline of David, their greatest king. And here comes this man who's entering, who is of their bloodline, who's going to save them. You see, at, their time, at this time during this week, yes, they are celebrating um, their victory over being their ancestors, over being slaves. But they, at this time, were still living under oppressive rule of the Romans. They were in a very similar situation. And here enters their new king, son of David, who they expect are going to restore their nation to its former glory. They set up their expectations for Jesus in this one phrase, Hosanna, son of David. In the Old Testament, the Messiah, an anointed, a chosen one, had been promised. The Jews had been waiting for their Savior, their King, their Messiah, for a very long time. And for the past three years, Jesus has taught, he has healed, and now during Passover week, he is entering the holy city as the self-asserted Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. He enters as someone they desperately needed. But is he going to be the one they desperately wanted? Because this same group of people that is laying down the palm branches, laying down the red carpet, in five short days is going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. What happened in those five days? Why were they so quick to turn? So you see, over the, over the years, the concept of this Messiah had developed. The Jews anticipated a Messiah that would be larger than life. They expected a great warrior king, a great prophet king, a great priest king. They expected a king that would sit on the throne of David and overthrow Israel's oppressors. They expected someone to come in and suit their every desire. And right off the bat, they encountered this man 
who was very different from what they expected. If you remember the way that Jesus came into the world, it was very simple. Surrounded by farm animals wrapped in simple cloths, this entry was no different. He was not surrounded by all sorts of elite people. He didn't enter with a band and pageantry and flags and all this, all these things. He was not, he was, he was surrounded by his people. He was associated with prostitutes, tax collectors, thieves, lepers, Samaritans, Galileans. His followers included a group of illiterates, the lost, the suffering, the walking wounded. By worldly standards, he was a nobody who came from nowhere. He had no religious, no political rank. But if he was indeed the Messiah, well, things are about to change, and that's what they expected. Talk about great expectations, right? Have you ever been in a situation where things were not at all what you expected? Yes, right? Um, well, sometimes this happens to me when I go to a restaurant. Now, let me tell you this. I cook in my home all the time. So when I go out to a restaurant and pay for my meal, I want my food to be fantastic. Now this next story might deter you from ever going out with me, but I promise I'm not as complicated as this story ever. So please invite me out to dinner because I like to go out. Okay. Um, so a few years ago, it's my birthday, and we go to the Cheesecake Factory with my family. Cheesecake Factory, can't really go wrong. Their menu is about a thousand pages. Right? And there's so many options. All their food is always excellent. And so my first question when I go to this, is, I mean, say amen, husband, if this is true. This is true. My first question to any server is, what on your menu is fantastic? That's my first question. So I ask the waitress this question. And she says, get the Thai chicken, coconut, something or other. So I like Thai. I like chicken. I like coconut. Let's do it. Right? So she brings me my dish, and I don't want to offend you if this is your favorite dish from the Cheesecake Factory, but I could not eat it. Have you ever seen the episode in Friends where Rachel tries to make an English trifle and completely botches it? Right? She makes it completely wrong, and she brings it to her friends to eat, and Ross says, ah, it tastes like feet. Right? Well, that's what this dish tasted like to me. I just couldn't eat it. So I tell the waitress, I say, here, try a bite from my fork. Let's, like, tell me if this is what is supposed to be the taste. And she wouldn't take a bite from my fork. I don't know why. But she wouldn't do it. And so she's like, okay, I'll have it remade. And I said, okay. So she has it remade, and she brings it back, and it tastes the same. Maybe, I don't know, I just, again, maybe I don't have the refined palate for this. But so finally, by this point, I say, you know what, just bring me the chicken parmesan, because I know what I'm getting there, and, and just box it up, because by this time, my entire family's done with their meal. They're going to be ready to go. How sad, right? It's my birthday. I ended up, like, eating it over the kitchen sink, like, out of my little box, right? Ah, it was just not what I expected that night. So maybe you have had the same experience at a restaurant, perhaps. Perhaps you rented out a vacation home that looks super phenomenal online, and you get there and you're like, these pictures don't match. What's going on here? 
Or maybe you started a position at work that you were so excited about and you start it and it turns out to be not at all what you expected and you don't like it at all. Or maybe perhaps you were set up on a date and your friends are telling you, hey, this guy or this girl or whatever, and your personalities are going to click, 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 and you're sitting across the table and you're thinking, how do I get out of here as quickly as possible? Does, is that just me? Does that just happen to me? Not anymore. <laughs> I mean, but... So, anyway, a funny story about Chris and I, actually. Chris and I, if you don't know this, we actually met on eHarmony. Yes, we will be on TV one day. You will see us on a commercial. I think they should have us on a commercial with all our kids. That would be a different eHarmony commercial, right? Anyway, so uh, Chris and I spoke on the phone for several weeks before we actually met. And the night before we met, he said to me, uh, well, I don't really know how to ask you this without offending you. And I was like, what is he going to ask me? And he says to me, you know, on your profile, you have like four different hairstyles. So what do you look like right now? <laughs> what kind of hair, like how do I identify you? Because in one picture, I have like a short pixie cut. My hair, I kid you not, is fire engine red, like red. In the other hair, I have huge blonde streaks. In the other one, jet black hair. So I just wanted to show him that there was a lot of sides to Melody, <laughs> which he can probably tell you is very true. <laughs> Excellent. That was not, that was not a plant. Um, so anyway, he, but he wanted to know what to expect. He wanted to know what to expect. So maybe you have had a situation like this, right? Where you walk in and you were set up to expect something different, but you encountered something quite the opposite. What happens? That makes you mad sometimes, right? Unless it's a good turnaround, but usually it makes us mad. It makes us frustrated. It makes us angry. And in Jerusalem that day, they thought they knew exactly what they were going to get. So they are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, save us, save us, son of David. What they didn't know is that Jesus was on his way to accomplish one task. In Mark 10.45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Oh, he was indeed coming for them, but not just for Israel. He was coming for all man. He was coming for all the nations, for everyone. In Matthew 5.17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Yes, indeed, he was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. He was the anointed one. He was coming to save but not in the way they expected him to. He was not coming to meet their expectations. It says in Luke 19, 41 and 42, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He wept over the city and its people because he knew, he knew that they would not realize that he was not coming to deliver them from the power of Rome. He was not coming to restore their riches. He was not coming to fulfill every desire they had, but he was coming to deliver them from eternal death. 
He was coming to reconcile them with God. He was coming to show them a better way to live. He entered that, that city on that Sunday with focus, determination, and purpose. They just didn't know it yet. But Sunday was coming. So here we are today. Today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. The kids are here singing their songs, doing the branches. Who spotted my redhead back here? I was like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. But I mean, the show was pretty much stolen by the first front row here. Uh, the kids are singing their songs. We're singing Hosanna. We are remembering their triumphant day. Who is the crowd today? Us. We are the crowd today. Because what happens with us the second we bump into a bump in the road? What happens with us when we exit those doors where things, you know, things here are nicely lit, air-conditioned, catered even, right? But what happens when we leave those doors and we encounter a trial? What happens when we get out there and we run into something unexpected, unplanned, uncomfortable? We are the same crowd. I don't know about you, but when that stuff happens to me, perhaps I am not ready to yell, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, but I might question him. I might question the plan. I might question the purpose. Whether it's big or small, I think to myself, why? I don't need this right now. I can't handle this right now. Why? Why are you making me walk through this? Why are you allowing this to happen? There was a time in my life when I was questioning a lot of things. I like to call that time now my quarter-life crisis era. I was about 24, 25. I had graduated college, working full-time, dating a nice enough guy. Pretty seriously. I was certain and expectant that my life was headed in one direction. Well, before I even knew what was happening, I wasn't seriously dating anymore. I had changed jobs. I had changed cities. I had changed states. All of a sudden, friendships were changing. Everything was happening, and not at all in the way I envisioned it. But why? This made no sense to me. I followed Jesus. I was a good girl. Why all of a sudden am I topsy-turvy in my plans? What is happening here? Wasn't it supposed to work out for me because I followed him? Well, what I didn't realize, just like Jerusalem did not realize, is that the plan was so much greater. I just didn't know it yet. But I felt like he had left me. I came to church every Sunday. But I could not close my eyes to pray. I could not sing the songs. I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't feel him. I couldn't see him anywhere in my life. Have you ever felt that? When you're feeling far, when you're wondering why you're walking through something? Like I said, I still showed up. But I wasn't really there. I doubted his plans for my life, so I doubted his presence in my life. And now I see that God had never left me. I was the one who walked away from him because I was not happy with how my life was working out according to my expectations. I was one of the children on the playground 
running the other way. Instead of running to the person who is trying to keep me safe, who is trying to keep me from a doomed relationship, from an unhealthy work environment, who wanted to show me how big his world really was, I couldn't see that plan. So I pulled away, just like the crowd in Jerusalem in those five days. How could this be the Messiah, the answer to their problems? There was still hungry to feed. There was still sick people to heal. They were still living in a very broken world. Wouldn't things be different if this was the king they expected? They were not satisfied. They needed to see action according to their expectations. They wanted to see change according to their expectations. They needed to have what they wanted to have in order to believe that this was the Messiah. But Jesus had a task to complete, and he entered that city on that day, and his task was to get to that cross. That was his task. But they couldn't see it. How frustrating is it when we can't see the plan? Super frustrating. Super frustrating. We don't see the plan. We don't see the results for something we're asking for, begging for even. We don't see the plan. We don't see the progress. Let me read you Matthew 6, 8. It says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Later in that same chapter, it says, pray like this. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, not my will. It doesn't say anywhere in there, pray like this and you'll have results within the hour. Pray like this and your results will show up like Amazon Prime does on the next day. It doesn't say anywhere in there that we get to know anything about the plan. But we have to trust the one that does. And that's hard. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, there are two types of people in the end. Those who God says, those who says to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. See, we're humans. We falter. We go up and down and topsy-turvy and around and around. We let our emotions overcome our faith. But not Jesus. Jesus is constant. Jesus remains whether in rejection or acceptance, in comfort or persecution, he remained constant on his journey to the cross. Nothing robbed him of his identity. Nothing robbed him of his peace. Nothing robbed him from his mission. What happens with us as humans? When we encounter something, the first thing out the door is our peace. We can question our identity. We can question our mission. We can question his presence in our life. How many times have I done that? I don't realize that Jesus is leading me, pointing me towards him, and I miss it because I'm blinded by my human expectations of what I think he should look like in my life. That was the crowd on Palm Sunday. They expected one type of savior, the savior they wanted. But Jesus came to be the savior they needed. 
He is so much more. He, his plans are so much more, even when you can't see it, even when it is something awful. His plans are so much more. This week is called Holy Week. What will you see this week? Would you be willing to engage and to expect? In many other countries, this week stops, completely stops. In many Latin American countries, they completely shut down businesses for the week, schools are closed, not because it's spring break, because it is Holy Week. Um, it requires people to stop and engage whether they like it or not. Because in some countries, full streets are completely shut down. In Guatemala, they have these huge wooden floats that are physically carried by up to 80 people at a time in an eight-hour procession. They rotate 3,000 people throughout the eight-hour procession. Men, women, older children. If you can carry it, you can rotate. And you walk this because we are remembering what happened on this holy week. In El Salvador, several city streets, again, are completely closed down because their streets are covered in what's called alfombras de Semana Santa, rugs for Holy Week. And they, these rugs are made out of colored sawdust. And the people start working on them midnight Friday and work round the clock until Easter morning. And when people gather on the streets Easter morning, they're covered in these beautiful mosaics. In Poland on Thursday, some families sit together and have a meal on Thursday night in remembrance for the Last Supper. A lot of these families have this supper together and don't eat again until Easter morning. People are engaging the week. People are stop. They stop what they're doing and engage this week. So how can you engage this week, this holy week? Well, I'm going to ask you to stop. I'm going to ask you to stop, and I'm going to invite you to try and experience Jesus differently this week. Starting on Thursday, we have special services right here at New Song throughout the week, throughout the rest of the weekend. Now, just as I'm, someone said a second ago, we don't, we don't need the numbers. We don't need to fill a quota of how many people are here. We don't need you to be here. We want you to be here to experience Jesus in a different way. On Thursday, we will come to remember the Last Supper, take communion, and we will remember his last command. On Friday, we will encounter his death and the fact that there is evil in this world, and we will sit in that and come face to face with Jesus dying. And on Saturday, we will sit in the wait and we will pray. What happens with us so many times? We're, such, we're in a, such a rush to get to Sunday that we miss what happens in the waiting. You know, during my quarter-life crisis, I was so frustrated and I was this and I was that and blah, 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 blah. But during that time, in the waiting, I learned what kind of man I wanted to marry. I knew I learned what I wanted him to look like and what I didn't want him to look like. In that time, I realized, oh, perhaps my passions lie in different places than what I actually went to school for. That's okay. 
Let me pursue it this way now. Perhaps the city that I grew up in is not the city for me. These friendships that I have are changing, are transforming. Some of them are not healthy anymore. That led me to new friendships. What can you experience in the wait on Saturday? And on Sunday, we will remember the miracle and receive the gift that he has given us. So stop this week and consider, how could you engage this week? What experience could you have this holy week? Could you have great expectations for the week? And what I mean by that is just be open to whatever it is he might have for you. Just be open. How could you encounter the Savior this week? What will your interaction be? You and I will experience Jesus in different ways. We will. Uh, Sometimes I experience Jesus, you know, when it's cloudy and all of a sudden there's a breakthrough of like these sun rays. I think that's Jesus. That's how I see him sometimes. I see him in my son's face. He's super rascally, you can tell. But he runs up to me and he's like, Mom, 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 this is what happened, that's what happened, and I prayed about it. What? Thank you, Jesus. That's Jesus in his face to me. Or maybe I get served a fantastic meal at a dinner restaurant place. That is Jesus. Seriously, that is the first thing that I say. Thank you, Jesus. And here's your $12.99 for that dish. Fantastic. How can you engage him this week? Maybe Jesus will show up to you as an unexpected letter in the mail. Maybe Jesus will show up in a phone call. Maybe Jesus will show up in a much-needed conversation that has to happen. Maybe Jesus will show up in a new opportunity for friendship. How can you encounter him this week? Maybe Jesus has a plan for you this week. Will you miss it? How can we encounter the Savior this holy week? Jesus didn't just come for you. He came for the person sitting right next to you. He came for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, your coworkers, even the people you have a hard time with. He came for those people. He came for all mankind. How can you represent Jesus to someone this week? If you stopped and considered and engaged, how could you encounter Jesus through someone else? Next week is Compassion Sunday. And Compassion Sunday as a church, we gather pantry goods in order to bless people in need. And normally, you know, those of us who volunteer in the pantry would say that we try to represent Jesus to people. We smile. We say, God bless you. We've prayed for some of them. We can say, you know, that's, that's normally what we expect to do, to represent Jesus to them. Well, last month, a woman came and fully represented Jesus to me. She came to the pantry, and it was her first time, and uh, she was older. And through a little bit of back and forth, we had this conversation, and she kept giving some stuff back to me. And I said, that happened like three times, and I said, okay, why don't you tell me what your space looks like, and and let's work together to get you the right things. Because sometimes maybe they don't have fridge space, maybe whatever the situation is. I said, okay, tell me what kind of space you're working with. So she starts to tell me her story. And this woman had rented out someone's garage for a couple years. 
And um, all of a sudden, one day, her daughter, her older daughter, who is married, shows up at her door with her four-year-old grandson. The husband has left. And not only has he left the wife and the child, but the daughter is eight months pregnant. So they come to live with mom. And um, well, the landlord said, oh, there's more of you. So now I'm going to raise the rent on you. Well, mom can't afford that. And daughter doesn't work. So one day they go out to the daughter's checkup. And they come back to find the locks changed and there's stuff on the curb. No warning, nothing. Their stuff is sitting out on the street. Well, you know, as she, as she stands there, I'm listening to her in tears, and I'm thinking, this is awful, this is terrible. How can this happen? How are you surviving? How are you even standing? How are you going to move forward from this? What? I'm losing my mind. And in the middle of this, she says to me, but you know what? I have Jesus. What? I have Jesus. I have hope. He knows me. He sees me. And he knows what I need. And she says, you know what? Some days are hard, but I have hope that they will get better. This woman had hope because she knows who holds her future. I asked her permission to share this story, and she said, please. I saw her yesterday at the pantry, and her daughter had the baby, and she's, the baby's 10, month, 10 days old now, and she is beaming like a new grandma. You would not know that this woman has just walked through this. You would not know it. She represented hope, faithfulness, love, compassion, forgiveness to me, all in one simple conversation. So how can you represent any of those things to anyone you encounter this week if you stopped and considered and you engaged? Can you send a letter in the mail? Can you have that much-needed conversation with someone? Can you bring food next Sunday to Compassion Sunday and participate a little bit in that ministry? What can you do? How would someone else's week look different if you stopped to engage them? I'm going to ask the band to come back up. So stop and consider. Stop and consider, and I'm going to ask you to stop and consider right now. And reflect for a moment. Some of us in here are feeling far, are feeling like we have no words. We can't close our eyes for the prayer. We can't sing the songs for the worship. We are feeling far. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I would say to you, okay, if you're in that space today, be there. But this time, would you know that he is here with you? Because he has not left you. He has not left you. He is here with you. Would you know that this week? Maybe you're in a good place and you know who Jesus is and you know that he is constant and you have seen his hand in your life. Would you be open to expect more? Would you be open to know that he is bigger than your greatest expectation? He has plans for you. Would you be open to engaging that this week? Are you in a place where you need to reconcile with God? Maybe you're feeling 
guilty, ashamed, whatever it is, guess what? You are in the right place because we are all sinners and we all need forgiveness and we all need grace and we all need to feel love. You are in the right place because we love you here. On the side of the sanctuary, there's going to be some people ready for prayer. For whatever reason, if you need to reconcile or if you need to, if you're feeling far or if you're in a good place, whatever it is you might need prayer for, during the song, we'll have some people that would be willing to pray for you. Jesus did not walk into Jerusalem that week to display his power. He rode into Jerusalem to fulfill his plans. He rode in to take up that cross and that crown of thorns for the crowd, for you and for me. In those three years of ministry, he was walking slowly between the beggars and the blind, the marginalized and the unloved. He was washing feet. He was breaking bread. He was healing. He was listening. He was living amongst people just like us. Jesus was there then and he is here now. If you lay down your coat, he will walk on it. He came to give you a name, forgiven, love, accepted, seen, heard. The king is here. He came for you. He came to sign your name on that cross with his blood. Amen? Oh, no. Amen? I'm going to say a bunch of things, and you're going to have to say it a lot louder than that. He can, you cannot fall beyond the reach of his love. You cannot lose it. You cannot change it. You cannot win it. You cannot control it. His love for you is constant. Amen? Will you be willing to know that he will always exceed your expectations? Amen? Say it one more time. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you.